Welcome to episode 89 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I am tired. Uh, it is the middle part of a long week that is far from over, but it was uh, it was an exciting day for Oklahoma State. Absolutely. National signing day, early signing period for the Cowboys. Um, not one of the better recruiting classes they've had in recent years, but there's still a few no. bright spots. Obviously, you know, Grayson Boomer, four-star Cowboy back. And then the big news for the day was Langston Anderson out of uh, Heritage High School in Texas. Uh, he decided to come to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State got their receiver, uh, four, another four-star. And they're the only two from 24-7 in this class. And then you get a bunch of three-stars, a few high three-stars, and a bunch of low ones. Um, Philip, what, what are some initial thoughts on what Oklahoma State's bringing in for 2019? I think because Oklahoma State hasn't utilized the Cowboy back as much as they should, I think um, the Grayson Boomer commitment is going a little bit <clears throat> under the radar. He's the number eight ranked tight end in this class. Okay, He's really good. And if you can stop and think about him paired with Jelani Woods as he continues oh, to improve, forget just pass blocking. Or forget run blocking and pass blocking. Like, you have two guys who should be weapons. Oklahoma State hasn't had weapons at tight end or cowboy back since Brandon Pettigrew. And man, I was a big Brandon Pettigrew fan. He was awesome. He was so good. Can you just, like, I think if they utilize him properly, I think he's going to be huge for Oklahoma State. I like Trace Ford. Uh, I think he has a chance to make an impact early. Uh, as a backup on the defensive end, um, I do like him. I like Jaden Jernigan. They needed they needed depth uh, on the line. They got two guys that I like. Neither one is neither one starting day one, but I do like their potential. I think the Anderson land is big just because it helps this class and it boosts this class and it gets you one more guy. I don't know if Anderson will play next year. Like I think he's talented enough. He may be able to challenge, but there's so much depth on the wide receiver for wide mm-hmm. receiver. You're almost better off, kind of like C.J. Moore, redshirting him for the year. All four of your starters are back. There's a lot of talent there. They don't need him this year, but you do need to prepare for when everybody leaves after 2019. And there's a very good chance that you'd lose three starting pass catchers after 2019. Like, that could happen. So they needed to get a guy to help continue to add talent and continue to add depth. Um. The offensive line haul is good. None of them are going to start day one. But the biggest issue for the offensive line has been depth. They had a, I think they had a good starting five this year, but they had that starting five on the field together so rarely that it showed <clears throat> because they just didn't have other guys ready to go. It didn't. Um, and I think you brought in some nice offensive linemen. I trust Josh Henson to help develop those guys. Their big impact is going to come 2020, 2021, more than it's going to come this year. This is one of those classes where it's not that it, it's not a bad class. Like, forget the ranked 44th. It's just a class that's not going to make a big impact for a couple of years. When these guys are redshirt sophomores and juniors, that's when you're really going to start to see them having gone through the program, gone through strength training and developing, make a big impact for Oklahoma State. They're just not going to make a big impact right away, I don't think. 
Yeah, it feels like that's kind of the common theme among, among what we've seen from Oklahoma State classes in the last few years. Of It's really hard to gauge what they're really going to do until about two years in once they've developed in the system a little bit more. And that's when you can kind of gauge how the class is going to be. And I think that's just because Oklahoma State doesn't get a lot of guys that are four and five stars that can come in and immediately play as freshmen and make an immediate huge impact. So I think there's some guys there that are going to have a lot of potential. Langston Anderson's just a freak athlete. Like, that's a huge get. Like you said, I don't think he'll – He'll play next year, maybe sparingly, but just the athleticism he brings. I saw someone say uh, that he has been uh, recorded at a 39-inch vertical, which would be second in the NFL Combine. Man. <laughs> so that's that's insane. But yeah, I agree with you about Trace Ford. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to make an immediate impact, even if it's as a backup. I think his pass rushing ability is going to be huge. And then pretty much everyone else outside of the guy that's going to punt for us, the, the 29-year, 28-year-old Aussie Tom Hutton, I don't see too many more guys really playing a lot next year outside of Boomer and maybe Anderson. Um, I think and Desmond uh, Jackson. Well, Jackson probably will. I don't know how much, but I think he will. I think uh, Sione C, the JUCO defensive tackle, is going to get uh, will be in at worst the two deep, um, but just because of the experience he brings and they need that, I think he has a chance to play. Um, and and you mentioned it. I think. I think Thomas Harper has a chance to play, but I think, man, if he is not returning punts and kicks, I don't then then Gundy doesn't have any desire to to go for for special team touchdowns. That kid is the most underrated player in this class. I don't know how he's rated so low. He's gonna be he's gonna take him a little bit of time to develop a cornerback in in Power Five football, but he's really talented. He's really fast. He's got great hands. I want him to be the next. Parrish Cox. I want him to be the the, the guy oh, that returns that. punts and kicks and and for and grabs those interceptions. I think he can be that. I think he's that talented. I think he's that good. I don't think he'll be that good defensively on the field this next year, but I want to see him in the backfield with a chance to return punts and kicks. I think he'll do that. I can we get can we get Chuba and Thomas Harper running kicks back next year? <laughs> we might just get kicks out of bounds every time if that's the case. That's fine with me. You kick it all you want. You mentioned Tom Hutton, and I think if there's one guy who is the most important player in this class, well, that's that's not that's not right, not important, but has he is a chance important, though, absolutely. Who has the chance to make the biggest impact next year is him. You are graduating both Hackett and Sonor, so your both of your punters are gone. You do not have a scholarship punter on the roster. Hutton is the guy, so. First off, I think he has the job day one unless he just loses it. Two, he's 28 years old. He's married. He's coming over from Australia. I ha- I interviewed him this week. I'll have that up hopefully tomorrow. Uh, it's a really nice interview. But he's very mature. He's played a lot in Australian re- uh, Australian rules football. He's been team captains. He's He's been in leadership roles. I think he will bring a a great presence to the special teams. I think he's very mature. He is. He's older, but I think he is mature even at at 28. And the most important part is he's coming over from a program called Pro Kick Australia. It is specifically a program designed to train NFL and collegiate punters and kickers. Four of the last five Ray Guy Award winners came from Pro Kick. Michael Dixon, who's kicking for the Seahawks, who we all remember playing for Dallas and being awesome, who literally won a bowl MVP as a punter, 
That's the best thing for the brand that happened all last season. <laughs> is from Pro Kick. Good stuff. Michael Dixon is the reason Gundy went over to Pro Kick to look for a guy. They found Tom Hunton. There are people who really think he's really, really good. I'm excited to have him over. There's a certain level of the maturity I don't. I think that is going to make a bigger impact than we think. Plus, remember in 2016 how good Sonor was, and how Signer was, and how impactful his punts were. That they they literally gave Oklahoma State like a five to ten yard starting field position advantage because of his punts. Like, oh, yeah. He was so good. I think Hutton can be that, but do it not for a year and then be off and on. I think he can be that good when he gets here and be that good for four years. Yeah, he's a guy that I really like. I Aussie punters are just kind of the way that NFL is kind of moving right now with all the, you know, they, I think there are four or five in the four or five, yeah. six in the NFL right now. The, and they all the just hit at, It's that. Yeah, and the, that's that technique that they teach, and it works so well in with the new rules for special teams. Yeah, and not only are they able to down it inside the five, they're hitting nukes too. Like I watched Michael Dixon hit one like seventy yards for not only Texas but for the Seahawks too. I don't. I'm not asking Tom Hutton to go out there and hit seventy yard bombs, but if he can put down a guy inside the five every now and then, I'm fine with it. And uh, you know that experience playing footy, you know that's. That brings a little bit of professionalism too. just being able to kind of understand the grind of playing sports day in, day out, you know, moving from footy over to American football. It's still going to be a little bit of a transition, but I don't think it'll be that much. And Aussies are just fun guys to have in the locker room, too. You talk about the maturity standpoint, but just that personality and that culture is going to be a fun aspect in the locker room, too, that I'm kind of interested to see what he does. He's going to be a fun guy that they they ever get to interview him. You're going to get a few good quotes out of him, and I know you got the chance to interview him, too, but when the media gets in Oklahoma gets a chance to meet him, I'm sure we'll get some good uh, nuggets there as well. Yeah, he was really – it's so much more fun, and I'm sorry, it's so much more fun interviewing a 28-year-old than 18-year-olds. Understandable. (laughs) They they can communicate, uh, speak clearly. Give full answers. Don't just say like, yeah, it's cool. Can't wait. Like, actually have a conversation. So it's a really good interview. I'm going to have that up on Thursday. Um, I do think I am really excited to see what Brennan Costello does. I would be sh- – he's coming in early for the spring. I'd be shocked if he doesn't redshirt next year. But I'm, I'm, re- I'm kind of excited to see what becomes of him because in theory – He's the backup to Sanders in 2020. Right. Because, I mean, I, I, I mean, Drew Brown's got one season. You assume Spencer Sanders is going to be the starter next year. So by 2020, Costello is your backup. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what what he's going to do, um, how he's going to look, and, and what, you know, just what he brings to the quarterback position for OSU. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so... Now I guess we talk about where does Oklahoma State go from here because they still have four spots left. They have 21 guys on scholarship, and the scholarships of – even though Oklahoma State signed 19 today, the scholarships were Kima Severand and uh, Drew Brown count for the 2019 season, so there's 21. They, so they have four spots no, left. three because they signed 20 today. Oh, okay. That's right. I, I, I was thinking – I forgot yeah. Lang Sanderson signed super late. So they have three spots left. We have DeAndre Glass and then – Sony Funia, who's a no, Juco defensive end, who's also been uh, offered. Not sure if he'll get him, but I have a feeling they'll probably, they're pretty good on the Juco route when it comes to getting defensive linemen. 
where do you think Oklahoma State goes? Do you really think there's a good chance DeAndre Glass comes to Oklahoma State now? Because two of his top options, Miami and Alabama, both signed running backs today who are pretty darn good. Yes. So uh, that helps Oklahoma State, but I just I'm still not convinced he's coming here. I don't think he's going to Bama. Uh, that gives with the transfer for Miami that gives them two. Um, Texas missed out on Noah Kane. He decided at the last minute to go to Penn State. So that may allow Texas to put a a late push heading into the February signing period for DeAndre Glass. Uh, he, the other ones he had in his final six were Miami or Michigan, um, it was Bama, Georgia, Michigan. It was Oklahoma State, Bama, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, and Miami. I think Bama's out of it. I think Miami's probably out of it. That leaves Michigan, Georgia, Texas, no issue. I still keep feeling like Oklahoma State. I know he said he likes Oklahoma State and they were his kind of his number two. It still feels like Oklahoma State's that that girl at the bar at 2 a.m. you take home because everyone else is gone. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to keep using that line until he picks OSU. Um, I mean, it makes sense to me. I, I just, I don't, I don't know where Michigan wasn't in it, but they are in again. Texas wasn't in it, but they are again. Georgia seemed like they were going to make a push and then backed off because they had other options. I just, it still feels like the other schools are doing to DeAndre Glass what DeAndre Glass is kind of doing to Oklahoma State, which is he's that backup option if some of the other things don't work out. So it'll be interesting to see what Texas does since they missed out on Noah Kane. Um, and I just, I don't, I'd have to go look at Michigan and Georgia's classes and really go look if they have a spot for him or not and if they have a need there for him or not. Uh, but Texas may be OSU's main challenger for Glass uh, moving forward, which is not something I, <laughs> that's good. That's not something I want. Yeah. Um, as far as the others, so the the other JUCO defensive end is planning. He's not going to make a decision until February. He's got visits planned to to Kansas. He's got a visit planned to Oklahoma State in January. Uh, he's he's got four visits after the new year, and he's he's potentially going to schedule with Nebraska as well. I I'm not sure Oklahoma State is going to wait till February um, to know they have. A guy. I think they want a JUCO a defensive line, a defensive end specifically. They want someone to bring experience in to get into the, onto the team. I don't think they're just going to wait around for him f- till February. I would keep an eye to see if they offer anyone else out of who's available. Um, I would also watch for them to maybe look out. I haven't looked at the grad transfer market yet, but to go look for somebody. Because really what they need is somebody. They like somebody who could be here for two years. They really just need somebody who's got experience that they can put in next season while other guys continue to develop because of right. the youth that's on the team. They've got if they get glass, that leaves them to I mean I I feel like transfers are a real are, are a real possibility. I think the grad transfer market are, is a real possibility. Uh, I think at this point they want guys who they think can can make an impact if not immediately, then very quickly. Because they've got enough youth with this class and people who are going to take time to develop. They want impact guys. Langston Anderson's an impact guy. DeAndre Glass would be an impact guy. Uh, a Juco defensive end would be an immediate impact guy. I think that's what they want with these last picks. So don't be surprised if you see more Juco offers or grad transfers um, being talked about with Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think... I mean, if they land Glass, obviously that's going to be huge just for the class in general. Huge. and. Yeah, and he'll he'll play next year. I don't think I don't think there's a chance he red shirts. Um, no, I think uh, he's no. I think he's he's that talented. Um, and he then if be, they can land, I think he'd be the backup almost immediately. 
to to Chuba, if you want yeah. my honest opinion. Um, I I'm kind of excited to see what Jamil Jeter can do in the Liberty Bowl. To see what his potential is, maybe moving forward. But if DeAndre Glass commits to Oklahoma State, I'd be shocked if he wasn't the backup next year. They might make him third string to start off with, but I think talent wise, I think he'd be the backup at worst. Yeah, and then if they can land that defensive end, uh, Sony Funa, Funa, however you pronounce that, I'm not real good with those types of names. I'm not real good with those names. I can get Finafeu Iaki, but that's about all I got. Yeah, that took, um, that took a lot of practice. That did take a lot of practice, but if they can land him, then you probably get a grad transfer out of that. If not, then I think Oklahoma State gets two. Um, I, I think they'll find a way to get two guys in there, most likely on the defensive line, just because of how young that area is going to be. And while you do have some experience a lot of those guys are going to have to play more by necessity rather than readiness at that point. So I'm, I'm interested to see where they go with it. But obviously, the, there's like 12. I think Gunny said there's like 1,200 names in the transfer portal right now. So oh, there's yeah. a lot of so there's a lot of guys that they they got to go through. So there's no real inquiries of anyone all, that can go. Get. Those aren't all grad are, transfers that can right. include any transfer. And I think I don't think they're going to want somebody who has to sit a year. I think they want somebody who makes an immediate impact. So I wouldn't look at at freshmen or sophomores who have transferred. You're going to want to look at grad transfers who have a year or two still available. Yeah, I I agree with you. All right, so let's move in. Last thing I kind of want to talk about here. So Oklahoma State ranked 44th in this recruiting class, uh, six in the Big 12 behind West Virginia, Iowa State who finished 40th, TCU, and then obviously Texas and OU. I just need to see Oklahoma State be more aggressive on the recruiting trail. I this team is good at like Oklahoma State has enough, I think enough, you know, not necessarily blue blood status because they're not even close to that, but enough name and brand recognition that they can go and get four and five stars if they want to. It just seems like they don't go out and recruit them or they don't try and push it too much. I think they try and stick with the you know, the three stars that they can develop and the culture guys. And that's understandable because of the culture that Oklahoma State has built, but you got to go and get talent as well, and talent that can play immediately. I think I don't think it's that they don't offer the four and five star guys. I think it's they they meet with them, they talk with them, they have them on campus, they go and make visits, and if they look flat out tell them I have no interest in Oklahoma State, they stop. They don't they don't just come back and offer and try and and win that recruiting battle. They go okay, and they look for guys they think they have a real chance of landing, which reduces your pool. It does. Now, to some extent, you could say that means that those players they go after, they really want. They that, But I don't, I mean, if you're an 18-year-old kid, how do you know they're in between Oklahoma State who only offered you another player at running back that they really want you over Texas who offered 12, but they also said they really want you? Like, you're, you're 18, you don't. Right. It, I do believe Gundy when it says they go after the guys they think they can get. I do have to wonder if, you know, we say... I think Josh Henson is a good recruiter. Can I uh, let me raise one thing real quick? When everyone YouTube up at the end of the season, they're going to put out a list. Everyone will somewhere will of the top recruiters in college football this year, and they will all be at Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, OU, uh, Florida, Clemson. all the teams that get all the five stars that would get them anyways. And that guy's going to be be a a defensive line coach will become a defensive coordinator be a head coach somewhere else later on and he won't be as good a recruiter as the head coach at north carolina state as he was at bama because it's north carolina state and that was bama with nick saban so 
let's pull off of the, the all the best recruiters are at the schools to get all the five stars. Yeah, they, they get all the five stars. Part of that's because you're recruiting, and part of that's because you're Bama. I think Josh Henson's doing a good job. I'm going to say it's going to be a very unpopular statement. I keep hearing that and being told that Joe Bob Clement is a really good recruiter. I'm not sure I believe that. Um, when's the last time we had a four-star defensive tackle? I'm not talking about a five-star. I don't care about that. When is the last time we had a four-star defensive lineman commit to Oklahoma State and be really good and pan out? We have two defensive line coaches. You're telling me two guys on the defensive line can't land one four-star defensive tackle at all? I do think... I think Oklahoma State has a lot of coaches who really like being in Stillwater and are very happy here. That doesn't mean they don't recruit hard. It doesn't mean they don't care about recruiting. It doesn't mean they're not aggressive. But there is a difference between someone who is an aggressive coach because they they want to be good so they can continue to move up the ladder. So they are good at recruiting because they know if they recruit well, it will help them move up the ladder. And guys who are happy with they are and still are good recruiters and, and do like to recruit and do a good job. But there's a difference between when you are aggressive professionally and when you're happy professionally there is a difference you don't work quite as hard when you're happy and content as you do when you're aggressive gundy has a coaching staff of of guys who are happy to be in stillwater have been around for a while like the program and aren't he won't go hire people that might be here for two years and then go on to be a head coach or to get a coordinator position he doesn't want to do that he likes loyalty there's nothing wrong with loyalty but Nick Saban, in the last offseason, turned over a good amount of his coaching staff and went young to get young, aggressive recruiters because last year's recruiting class, they weren't number one. They're back to number one this year, and it may be their best class ever. If you're going to win, sometimes you got to do things you maybe don't want to do, which means hiring a guy who may only be here for three years, but for those three years, like a, an Arroyo, he's going he's gonna to kill it on the recruiting trail for you. He's not going to stay forever because he wants to go get a better job. He wants to get more money, and he wants to get a promotion. But when he's here, he's going to kill it. I don't see that guy on the roster, on the coaching staff, and I think that is hurting them more than people might want to admit. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like I, I like the, the coaching staff that we have, because obviously Oklahoma State's put out good product over the last few yes. years. Obviously, this year was a struggle, but we knew it wasn't going to be that great to begin with. I think they're good coaches. But, it's not a matter of yes, coaching. I think but they develop I think talent. It, Right. But I think it also I, it comes down to this might not be the right word, but it comes out to just a matter of complacency at times like they're they feel almost content just going after these three and four stars and landing three and four. Like to take the next step as a program, you have to go and be content with just getting four stars and then it just keeps moving up. Like I guess said, I think Oklahoma State has the name recognition, the brand recognition now, especially why can't we get a five star wide receiver? Like you think about the now. There haven't been a lot of now a lot of guys that have come through Oklahoma State have gone to the NFL have not panned out. But I, when you think about just the talent level and the ability to just get the ball to you that Oklahoma State has, why don't we get more talented five star wide receivers and they go to LSU where they haven't had a quarterback in a decade? <laughs> yeah, I'll never understand five star wide receivers going to LSU over Oklahoma State, but it's the name. I think the name brand matters more than people want to admit. It really does. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. think eighteen year olds care more about the name brand than 10 win seasons. Like I just, I do. I, but I think yeah. it's, I think it's so many things that just getting mad. Cause it's not happening. Like I, 
I don't think it's as super easy. And don't compare football to basketball. They're two different sports. It's it like recruiting is different in both sports. Recruiting people. is different in both sports. It's not the same situation. Like in basketball, it's just it. Think about it this way: five-star quarterbacks are willing to go to schools like Bama and Clemson, where they're probably going to have to sit. Even because they think they're going to get that job, they think they're just going to overtake the guy there. But they're going to have to sit behind two other five stars on the roster, as opposed to going somewhere where the job is open. That doesn't make any sense, but that's how this stuff is working. So getting there, some of it is Oklahoma State probably needs to do some things better. Some of it is, guys, we love Stillwater and we love OSU. Um, we are biased, and mm-hmm. and yeah. we have, we're not eighteen anymore. So there's just kind of has to be a certain level of acceptance there. Yeah, like I'm not going to harp too much on it because recruiting is one of the most inexact sciences there is because you're dealing with 17, 18 year old kids making one of the biggest decisions of their life. Not only where to go to school, but to play football. When I was trying to figure out where I want to go to college, I think I changed my mind like three times in a month. So so I did about the same thing that Dax Hill did. So uh, there's that. I just had to apply to plug that in there because that was a shock this morning when I woke up and saw he flipped his commitment back. It's 18-year-old. This is what happens. Exactly. Noah Kane was all about Texas all yesterday and all morning long. That's what he said. And then when it was time to make his decision, he picked Penn State. They're 18-year-old kids. It's a huge decision for them. They're, sometimes the easiest decision is not to go with the hard pick like an Oklahoma State, to go with an Alabama. Yeah. Before we go out and rant, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Yeah, Oklahoma State should finally end their basketball losing streak on... Friday. Uh, it's, yes. It's a noon game, which is a little weird. I won't be able to make it, but I will watch it at work while I'm supposed to be working. Yep, I'm going to be working that game, so I'll be able to catch the second half and uh, hope that things go better. But yeah, they should snap their skid, it's, and they should be it's Central A&M Arkansas. Corpus Christi. Yeah. And, and they'll snap their, and they should end up being 500 by conference play, beating A&M Corpus Christi the week after, and everything is going to be interesting going into conference play. But they should at least get a little bit of confidence back being able to get a win. So going 0-4 in that stretch of non-conference games sucked, but it was rough. like we've talked about, we're not concerned about this year. It's a learning experience. It's a rebuilding year. Everything's going to be okay going forward. Yep. Agree. All right. Yep, that wraps this one up. I'm glad we were able to get this one up. We kind of spaced it on Sunday, but you know, I'm glad we were able to get some good content up for this week with National Signing Day and everything. Philip, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, me personally at OKTXAR Poke. It's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. Um, you can also follow my show, the 1012 Podcast. That's at 1012 Podcast. Uh, it's available on SoundCloud and iTunes. There will be a Liberty Bowl preview next week. Um, we've got Camping World and. Uh, Alamo Bowl on this week's show, as well as uh, some basketball talk. All right. You can follow me at JT Penfield. Also follow my other podcast if you're a Royals fan at Royals Farm Podcast. Uh, we actually have an interview with top prospect MJ Melendez coming up later this week. We're pretty excited about that. And then you can also follow our main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, we'll have some more National Signing Day coverage and interviews and such. Uh, coming up over the next couple of days and then a little bit more basketball and then we're getting that much closer to the liberty bowl so we get a little bit of football once again and uh we will see everyone on sunday uh, uh to uh, well maybe uh, oh that's right let's never mind I'm, next week's I'm christmas used the, so i'm used to the normal i'm used to the normal schedule we, we, let's put it this way we'll have a, an episode before the liberty bowl to preview it but it won't be sunday <laughs> it won't be yeah. wednesday 
I, I didn't even think about that once I said it because I'm so used to our normal schedule of Wednesday and Sunday recording. But yeah, we're going to just enjoy time with our families. And if we don't uh, put out an episode before Christmas, we hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. Enjoy time with your family and uh, enjoy the holidays. Uh, have a good one, everybody. <laughs>